This is the new LOL podcast, and I am Karen Stewart. My goal is to challenge you, motivate, and encourage you to live your life boldly as a Christian out loud. Do me a favor. If you find anything of value, any motivation, any encouragement, help me spread the word like this. Share it on all your channels. And thanks for listening. Let's get started. I know that I've said this before, and I'm sure that some of you can relate, but there have just been times when obeying God was just challenging for me. It's not because I don't love Him. It's just that I think what I think, I believe what I believe, and I want what I want, period. What I mean by that is, I think that as long as I'm not doing anything so terrible that would be deemed a big bad sin, I should be able to do what I want. And as long as what I want does not affect or seem to affect other people, I should be able to do it. At the core, I think I can honestly say, I don't particularly enjoy being told what to do, especially if what I'm being told is not what I want to hear. Even if it's from God. I was having this conversation recently with one of my little ones, and she asked me about a particular thing, whether or not I did it, and I told her no, because the Lord has made it clear to me that he's not okay with it. And she said, well, did he tell you why? And I said, well, the why question is not one I ask anymore. It just doesn't matter. If I know what God's heart or desire is about something, I truly believe that it doesn't matter what I think about it, whether I like it or do not like it agree or disagree, want to or don't want to, I honestly believe it does not matter. If it mattered to God, he would ask me what I think about it and how I feel about it. That conversation does not happen between me and God. In fact, I'm not sure if it ever has. What I know is that when he tells me something, he expects me to obey. And that's what I try to do. I say try because I don't always get it right. In fact, I often feel like I get it wrong more than I get it right. But that doesn't stop me from trying. My goal is not perfection, it's just obedience. And honestly, even when I feel like I get it right, at least indeed, my heart is not always right. And then, of course, there's the follow-up conversation about that. And sometimes what bugs me the most is that I seem to stay on a very short leash. What I mean by that is, I just can't get away with the same things other people seem to be able to do. And sometimes I feel like God has let other people get away with doing things to me that I just didn't deserve, things that were just not fair. Now, is all that too honest for you? I'm just being real here. Now, I don't live in that state of mind all the time, but I would be lying if I did not say I have at times felt all of those things and more. Because if I'm trying to do the right thing, take the high ground, take one for the team, I just want the people who are doing me wrong to be dealt with. And I want it to happen swiftly, and I want to see it. Sometimes that happens, and sometimes it does not. 
So I try to remind myself of a few things so that I can move quickly past my irritations. When people do not return my love, my loyalty, etc., I ask myself, why did I give it to them in the first place? Was it so that they would return it back to me or just because it was the, the desire of my heart to love them well and to do good? When I have an attitude about doing something that I don't want to do, but that I know God wants, I ask myself, why am I doing it? Because I don't want to be punished or because I love him and I want to please him. When I'm disappointed by someone's behavior, do I consider what Paul said in 1 Corinthians 6.11? And such were some of you. In other words, what that means is if we are in Christ, we may be different people today, but we didn't start out that way. And then there's the matter of God paying people back. Even as I write those words or speak those words, it seems so petty and small. But honestly, there have been times when I just wanted to be vindicated. I wanted it to be seen and acknowledged that I was right and that I didn't deserve what happened to me, whatever the case may be. Now, most of the time when I have felt that way, it has been purely the cry of a heart that's full of pride. But there have been other times when I really just wanted to see evidence that God saw what was going on and cared about my pain. It seems like when you are on a journey of standing in boldness and truth for God, there's always blowback, and usually from others who call themselves Christians. And it just makes you want to hang back and have some peace. At least that's how it makes me feel. But we don't live in a time when Christians can hang back and just have some peace. We are living in a time when the world around us wants to see evidence of a God who is real and a God who cares. And we first need to be settled on that question for ourselves. So even in those moments when things don't go as planned or as we wish, even in those moments when we are required to do or give something that costs us or even hurts, in those times, what do we have to say about the God that we serve? In our disappointment and irritation, do we still feel with conviction that even in his judgment and justice, he is still demonstrating his love? Just as much as in his benevolence and blessing? Sometimes we need to take some time to determine what we really think about God and how we really feel about him. A.W. Tozer said this, what you think about God is the most important thing about you. Because things do not always go the way we would like or the way that we think that they should. And in those moments, we need to be settled on the question that he is still holy, he is still righteous, he is still love, and no matter what I'm feeling in this moment, he is still worthy of all that I am and all that he may ask of me. I was reading a story in Daniel chapter 6 about his little overnight trip to the lion's den. <laughs> I remember this story from a child, obviously, but when I learned it, I never knew that when this episode happened in Daniel's life, he was about 80 years old. Of course, Daniel was not a Babylonian. He was there as an exile. 
as a captive. But we know from the story that he was given a position of honor within the kingdom of Persia. And even as a captive in bondage, as an exile, the Bible says in all things, this guy had an excellent and extraordinary spirit. So evident was his character that Darius the king sought to elevate him to rule the entire kingdom. And that's where the whole problem for him began. Honestly, it probably started before that because people are always looking at you and watching you. But this is when the story is recorded that all the other princes and overseers came together and decided something needs to be done to get rid of this guy. I find it interesting that when they decided to conspire against him, they all knew that there was nothing that could be found against him in his character. Here's what it says in verses 4 and 5. Then the commissioners and satraps, or princes, began trying to find a ground of accusation against Daniel regarding government affairs. But they could find no ground of accusation or evidence of corruption because he was trustworthy. And no negligence or corruption was to be found in him. Then these men said, we will not find any ground of accusation against this Daniel unless we find it against him regarding the law of his God. So this guy's character was so tight that there was nothing that could be held against him but his loyalty to God. And you would think that somebody with a testimony like that could never be touched. You would think that he should never have even gone into that lion's den. I wonder what was on his mind when he got dropped down in there. All because he refused to stop praying and talking to his God. That was the whole crime. And this was his reward for a life of faithfulness and an unblemished testimony. The lion's den. Now, of course, we know how that story ended. God did shut the mouths of those lions and Daniel was not even touched. And the ones who conspired against him with their wives and their children were thrown into that very den. It says in verse 24 that they didn't even reach the bottom of the den before the lions overpowered them and crushed all their bones. So, listen, here's the deal. Even if you can claim a stellar testimony like Daniel, and can I be honest, at this point, I most certainly cannot. But even if you can, there is no guarantee that you won't have to deal with some unpleasant, unfair, or even some brutal things. I wish that wasn't the case, but it's just the truth. Now, Daniel got to actually see the payback for those who conspired to hurt him. But even if you don't, our end goal, no matter what we go through, should be that God be glorified. There's no indication in the text that Daniel was trying to make any point or make any demands or anything else. He was just unwilling to hide his devotion to his God. At the end of the sixth chapter of Daniel, it says that the king wrote to all the people who were living in his kingdom, and he said this, In all the realm of my kingdom, people are to tremble and fear before the God of Daniel. 
for he is the living God and enduring forever. And his kingdom is one which will not be destroyed and his dominion will be forever. For he rescues, saves, and performs signs and miracles in heaven and on earth. He who has also rescued Daniel from the power of the lions. These words came from a heathen king who did nothing but watch a righteous man who wouldn't compromise, but chose to live boldly out loud. I wonder what would happen if you and I consistently chose to do the same thing. Just something to think about.